Hello and welcome to episode 992 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, December 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I'm quite well. How about yourself? Good. You, you heading out for dinner soon? <laughs> Pretty much. It's 11.45. Jen trying to take us to dinner at 5.30. Oh, now I am getting old. We used to roast my we, we used to roast my sister for how early she goes to dinner. In fairness, it is usually a bit earlier. My sister eats around four thirty, but because I, I, I told her that you would be on her side, and I said but he's going to say that because he has kids. And what did you say? Yeah, it, no, it's fine because I have kids because I have to get my, them to bed and stuff. But and my sister has my niece, so it's like, you know. I understand, but no, it should be it should be fun. I'm excited. Um, we're going to talk more outfielders today. We're getting into the deep. This is for the deep league folks out there because these are guys that are unranked on yours, and I think the majority of them. Let's see. Well, no, it's actually kind of split, half and half ish. Um, some of them are still in my top 100, but the latter half there are even outside of my top 100. But the reason I'm bringing them up. Is because I think they're kind of a handful of interesting players, and I just want to get your thoughts to see if uh, if you might consider mo- moving some of these guys up. We've had some great debates, and you know, someone in my stream was like, "Came in and said, I've really been enjoying listening to y'all have these debates, and surprised that you've been able to get Justin to move." And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, he's been super amenable to these discussions. Uh, I'm going to be in the hot seat next though because mm-hmm. my rankings going to come out, and then I'm going to have to be." grilled on why do you have so-and-so here so i'm not uh, i'm i'm nervous about my time in the hot seat but you are currently still in it so let's dive into the unranked how dare you not rank edward oliveris <laughs> who, who, who do you think you are uh i am a person that is a realist and wait mr 2021 nldh Realist schmealist. If you can believe in that, <laughs> then you can believe in ghosts, uh, Santa Claus, and, and, and Dayton Moore not fucking around with yeah, Edward Oliveris. Like I him up and down fifteen times last year. I'd be in yeah the freaking flyer miles he must have gotten going oh. to AAA. Or, um, or you know if you got any like uh, you know I don't know how close it is uh, Omaha to KC, but. If, if it was either Greyhound punch card yeah. or a fly uh, or a flight, I mean, he's, he's gonna get a hit. free Jimmy John sandwich with all the <laughs> punch cards. It's like exactly, he got the full allotment for sure. Oliveris was back and forth and, and forth, and you know the the amount of I think he was probably the most overall amount of Fab dollars spent um, across the entire season for how many times he was up and down mm-hmm. and how many times people thought this is the opportunity. Uh, and then he definitely has the most fab dollars to the least production because, I mean, again, I think he's got to be one of the highest numbers across the the entire league last year. And he didn't, he never really got going when he came up. Oliveris hit 238, 291, 406 for an 88 WRC plus. But in the minors in 66 games, he continued to dominate, which kept people like myself eager for when he would get called up. He had 313, 397, 559 with 15 homers, 12 steals. That's in 66 games, 292 plate appearances. So he's going to be 26. Um, I know with you know Benintendi and Taylor, uh, who we're actually going to talk about later, those two spots are locked. If they're healthy, they're in. So then it does become between Kyle Isbell and Edward Oliveris for right field, and they, they might just flat out platoon. Like I, I understand that. 
But I still think Oliveris is the better player between the two, and that's why I've actually still got him in my top 100. Uh, and I thought I thought you were I thought you were in on the Edward Oliveris experience, or did you get soured by 2021? I mean, I'm, I'm not getting soured by 2021. I just don't know where he plays necessarily, uh, and I don't trust the organization a ton right now uh, with him. I mean, to to kind of bounce a guy like him up and down, up and down. When clearly he has nothing to prove. I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. those 2021 AAA numbers. He just he was fantastic. 15 homers, 12 stolen bases, and and less than 300 plate appearances while hitting well, 300. Like, like and and when Soler was gone, I, I definitely thought that was I was like, okay. Now, it has to happen mm-hmm. now, right? And they just would never give him a freaking shot. Like they would, but they wouldn't. You know, it's like they yeah. kept calling him back. That was almost worse than just leaving him in the minors, though. I mean, not even almost. It's definitely worse than just leaving him in the minors. Absolutely. And I mean, I if you could guarantee me 500 plate appearances, um, or that he'd even get close to that, like I'd feel really confident that he was like a really underrated sleeper. And like I'll still rank him when my when my ranks go past a hundred, but until I have some sort of feeling like, hey, there is a real path to full time playing time, um, and there could be. I mean, this is a team that could easily trade away a Michael Taylor or try to trade away. No, they they resigned him. I think they really like oh, Taylor. Did, oh, I didn't. I missed that they resigned him. Well, we'll cover that shortly. But mm-hmm. what I would say is, you know, looking at roster resource right now, I understand. Why Jason, you know, projects that uh, that Witt will be in at third base relatively soon, but I don't mm-hmm. think he breaks camp. We know Mondesi's health issues, but for now, it's you put him, you put Mondesi at third, and then there's a spot open. Yeah. Uh, that whether it's DH or one of the outfielders moving in, uh, you know, to put Isbell there. I don't know whose defense is better between Isbell's and Oliveris's, but both can play. I guess at this point, though, I'm looking at it right now to counter myself. That DH will be Carlos Santana. Um, I do think he should actually be in this lineup either at first or DH. Dozier mm-hmm. uh, would be is the guy who's currently at first. So I get Dozier it. can uh, move to the outfield. Like it is, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, I, I'm still going to keep him in the top 100. I actually had him very high. <laughs> I'm I'm going to keep the uh, the number to myself <laughs> so high. But uh, I'm going to keep him just inside the top 100. Uh, I'm still betting on Oliveris. I'm actually going to have him right by Dozier and Isbell as kind of a trio of like, okay, got, keep an eye on the trio. Maybe pick your favorite during these fall drafts, but then keep an eye on the trio. And as we get the news sorted out, you can decide who to move up. But I'm going to put them all at 96, 97, and 98 right now. Yeah, I, I'm. I'll be interested to see where he falls once I do kind of move out to like a top 150, which I'll probably do this weekend. Um, but I just can't push him inside of that until I know that he's got some sort of path to playing time because with the fact that Merrifield can move to the outfield, true, Isabel can move to the outfield, they need to figure out a place for uh, or sorry, but, sorry, but not Mondesi, Isabel, uh, Dozier, um, yeah, but honestly, we know what where, where his health is at. Um, and Witt's not going to be up instantly unless there's changes to the CBA mm-hmm. to facilitate that. And there is also the fact that um, Dozier was terrible last year. This is true, but and, they've got him signed for a while. Yeah, uh, and they've got him through twenty four, so they got a little deal on him. But it's not, it's not, you know, we have to put this contract in to try to get value out of it because it's so expensive. I think it's one of those where 
Yeah, he's going to start the season. I, I think that's pretty certain for Dozier. But if he continues on the trajectory that he had last year, I think he'll start to lose time. So I get it. It is a crowded path for Oliveira. So I will go ahead and bring him down, like I said, with those with those two other guys there, Isbell and, and Dozier. But um, I just – I. I just thought, I thought you I thought you were down I thought you were down I, for I the, mean uh, I love for the I cause. love the idea of Edward Oliveras I'm just not I just don't know where the playing time comes well, that's from. fine because that that one and I he has an option like it he still has one option so they can oh, def- it, it, it will be used it yeah will be used. and how many times are they going to push him up and down and how frustrating is that to roster a guy like that well this one I I, I can't give you any leeway you you just quit. You, you you left the party. <laughs> you did not rank Nick Solak. I did I'm not. Sorry, that is unacceptable. You were a big part of establishing the Nick Solak fan club mm-hmm. with me, and uh, now we're taking your name off of everything associated with it. You're out. Wow. That's. I mean, how dare you? Not no top 100. Listen, I'm not. You know what? Sit here, he's not even in my top 200 outfielders. That, okay, now that you're just being silly. Um, There's a yes. chance he won't even be in my top 300 outfielders. He's not eligible in the outfield. I hate you. <laughs> he did not play any games in the outfield this year. Oh, why, why is he? Why is he listed in my outfielders? Why, I have no I, idea. Where did I get this ranking? I didn't even catch this one because we we caught a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, fair. Yeah, no, all second base. Okay, well, that's fine. I guess I'm out <laughs> I was, of the pack. I was I don't all even know where he plays. I was looking at it and I was going. Man, that's weird that I didn't rank Nick Solak in my top so hundred outfielders. I was like, like stunned, dude. Yeah, and then, and then that yeah, makes sense. Brought makes up his sense. player page. He played 121 games a second, five games at DH, zero games in the outfield. All right, Fat L for your boy. Fat L for your boy over here. My bad. Two and up. My bad. There we go. My bad. Uh, wait, what? Yeah, it's one, it's one, 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 one. Now, now we're gonna get to the guy that we just did talk about though on on that other team. Hmm. You did not rank Michael A. Taylor. And jokes aside, I I, I got to know how because. The point time now, I'll, I'm gonna give you a sliver of a pass there because you, you did say you didn't know that that they had signed him up, uh, even though that was a really long time ago. But I forget things too, including where Nick Solak plays. So who am I to throw stones right now? But uh, you got to have Taylor in the top 100 there. It's almost under the uh, the premise of the of the Miles Straw thing, but mm-hmm. to a lower level, uh, just because. He's going to play. He was the best defender in baseball last year by some accounts. And he went 12-14 uh, with a two forty four average, which is – I don't say that to say like, yo, a two forty four. But as we know, and we've stated a million times here and others have across the industry, two forty four average is not the ugliness that you think it was or that it was in past years. Mm-hmm. So if you're still holding that, you might be like, ah, 244. It's like, eh, 244 is not the end of the world when you're getting 12-14. and 14. So can I get you to get Michael A. Taylor into the top 100? Yeah, this is a clear mistake. Um, and I've just got to figure out where to put him. Probably going to move him into... I'm going to say like... I'm going to go 88. Okay, we're pretty close then. Um, yeah, this is just a clear oversight. That's what it is. Uh so. Hey, I, I thought Nick Solak played outfield. So again, who am I to to chuck stones from from the ye old glass house mm-hmm. over here? Um, yeah, so I've got him. You know, I will say this: this is interesting. Uh, the market is not super keen on him. He's the one hundred and sixth outfielder. Wow. 
Okay. And uh, I'm looking at some of these guys that are ahead of him, and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. Namely, the guy immediately ahead of him, somebody I've loved for a long time, but I don't know what universe you're taking Aaron Hicks over Michael A. Taylor right now. Yeah, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, especially because what's being drafted right now is uh, draft and holds, right? And yes. what is the most important part in offensively? Volume. It's volume, right? It, it's at-bats. You need to get a guy who's going to get a ton of at-bats, and uh, I mean... Michael A. Taylor's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but 528 plate appearances in 142 games last season. When you're getting that uh, that late, that that's kind of a gold mine a little bit. So with some um, speed too, yeah, right? exactly. Like his, 14 stolen his... bases last year, uh, 24 stolen bases in 2018. Uh, you know, even if, he, if just getting double digit stolen bases that late in the ball game is is a really nice boost to your team. Totally agree. So, yeah, he's, he's one. I mean, there's some others, too. I, I know Tony Kemp did some – had some runs last year where uh, it wasn't too bad, but I'm definitely taking Michael mm-hmm. Taylor over him. Um, I don't need to go through every single every single guy around there, but I'm eyeballing a, a good handful where I'm like, you know, I think Dylan Moore uh, – I like he has second base outfield. They're similar in terms of their power speed output. I do think Taylor has a higher batting average floor. Um, with what Dylan Moore did last year, didn't he hit like 212? If I'm yeah, uh, 181, yeah. 181, 212 would have been hot. So yeah, <laughs> I like Taylor. Um, we're both. Yeah, I got you. Move him in. I'm I'm in the the high 70s, and so we're pretty close. And we're ahead of the market. But I, I think I think that's the right spot to be right now because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which means we can get him later when he's going pick 421. All right, this one you knew I had to include. Obviously, I know if people who listen to the podcast <laughs> for the meme, yeah, yeah, know that uh, we have our debate here. I, I, I think this will be one of the first ones that I, I don't even get you to move him like a, a nope. an inch. Yeah, but I yeah. like Haven. I might still. lower him in my unranked. <laughs> yeah, j- just just out of out of anger. Uh, Paven Smith, I'm I'm still on board here. Um, why? You know, like, why? Why? Why not? You know he's so good. I, I think I think it's I think it's the the uh, abundance of talent that that uh, that makes me rank him so high. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, he's two sixty seven, three twenty eight, four hundred four. So about ninety six WRC plus. So just a little bit under league average. Eleven homers, one steal, and five hundred forty five plate appearances. And you're like, well, what's well, what's so special about that? What isn't? Okay, that's the question I ask you, <laughs> dear listener and dear co-host. What isn't special about that? Look, I don't have jokes aside. I don't have it a lot in the profile. That's like, yo, this is the one thing to key on. This is the thing you can attack and say this is this is going to uh, push him up. I believe in the overall talent, though. I think the plate skills are pretty solid. I see a 19% strikeout rate, but a 6.8, we'll call it 7% swinging strike rate. And I'm like, yo, the strikeout rate can go down even further, which I think would add to the batting average possibility. He already hit 267, which we just got done saying that something like a 267 is pretty darn good if we're if we're not balking at 244. And so I think, I think he can be like a 20. 280 type guy with a bunch of runs um, atop that lineup. Now, it's not a good lineup still in Arizona, but if he is panning out how, how I believe he can, uh, and he kept some pretty good OBPs in the minors because he walked a lot, if he gets back to the walk rates of the, the double digits that we saw in the minors, brings the strikeout rate down even further, which I totally believe he can. I think it's high batting average with a little punch and some runs atop Arizona's order. I still think he's a top 100 guy. So, um, again, 
I, I know you're you're not going to be swayed to say, yes, I'll move him up. But he was 78th among outfielders last year. So you're going to say how bland that line was. And I'm going to tell you that it was still a, a top 80 outfielder. I, I, I can't I can't find any wiggle room there in those last 20 spots below where he finished versus the top 100. I mean, this is just sad. Come on. We, what do we, you mean? We had, we had this discussion on June 29th uh, where you and I bickered over whether or not he was like even fantasy relevant. You know what he did after that? Not he, a lot. He hit six home runs with okay. a 257 batting average. Okay. Like, I, I just don't care. Like, yeah, will he be in my top 150? Sure, because he's probably going to get you know, fair amount of run, uh, especially if uh, the Diamondbacks get uh, the DH in the National League. Um, you know, they could easily move Christian Walker uh, at some point. Uh, He's better than Christian Walker, too. So p- playing time is, is like no, you can a play, non-existent You can play issue. right field as well. So Yeah, you can play the outfield, first base. And if DH is there, like, yeah, I, playing time is the last thing I'm concerned with. Yeah. So, I mean, he will get plate appearances. Um, and like we mentioned, uh, you know, if you're drafting right now, you're more than likely either drafting a uh, draft and hold or a dynasty league, uh, you know, or so best ball. yeah, or best ball. Um, he struggled versus lefties, uh, which could mm-hmm. lead to a platoon situation, especially yep. early on with uh, Jordan Leplo uh, there. Uh, so that's a bit concerning, and there's just nothing stand out in the profile that makes me go, hey, this is a guy I want in my top 100 outfielders. Uh, Hard hit, max exit, strikeout rate, chase rate, whiff rate, all pink red. Like, there's a core of skills here that I, I, I do think you're overlooking a bit. Uh, this guy was a top 10 pick. Um, I like pedigree. I know some guys don't, people, some people don't care about it to each their own there but uh you know i don't think it's like it's one thing if a guy's like putting up 60 wrc pluses in the majors and people are still be- beating the drum of his draft pick this guy was basically league average in his first full season mm-hmm. uh, and again i really key in on that swinging strike rate leading to a drop in strikeout rate and then i look back to his ma- minor league walk rates and say there's some potential growth there too to where if he's getting on base at like a 360 clip hitting 280 with a little bit of pop, like I, I think that's I, I think it's pretty good. Player. I question like, that there's going to be a ton of pop. You know what this doesn't feels... have to be twenty homers in in six hundred plate appearances doesn't not a ton of pop. This feels to me like um, not broken out David Peralta, uh, and it. Well, I, I also regularly backed, and then he he dominated. It, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm actually fine with that. That that's a comp that intrigues me more, uh, based on how much I liked Peralta. And what he was able to do, health was his biggest issue. Batting average late is one of the most difficult things to find, which is why I kept beating the David Peralta drum. Then he spiked that nice thirty homer season, uh, which was cool. So yeah, I mean, I I, I just don't think that that thirty homer season's coming. Like it's, that, that's fine. I don't think it has to. Okay, because yeah, no, I mean, no, I think I, he's saying, probably like an eighteen homer hitter. Sure, with I like said twenty. You say eighteen. That's fine. Seventy batting average. I think two seventy is on the low end. Why? 
I, I have already said. Uh, I mean, 7% swinging strike rate. He had that same swinging strike rate in the minors, and it yielded 11 12% strikeout rates. I think there's a major gain to be had in, his, in Paven Smith's strikeout rate. It's at 19% right now. He has metrics that don't jive with it being a 19%, that he can get it down to the, to the low teens. And he also has uh, not what I would call um, blazing speed at all. In fact, it's, it's average it's poor, to below. Yeah. But it's something that is it, he can still get hits based on like he's not going to give up those those like Pujols type hits where he hits the ball very hard and gets thrown out because he's like uh, carrying a piano on his back. He, he's whatever. He's like medium speed. I think he can have a three thirty three forty oh uh, um mm. when when he's making a ton of contact like that. Like he can still he, make, he makes can a ton of hit contact. the ball hard. He does make a ton of contact. I mean, he's you know he sec- second half is uh, his own contact percentage was ninety two point two percent, which is elite. Uh, the problem is like fifty percent of that was on the ground. That will yield more base hits. That that lends further credence to the batting average uh, it's potential. Lead into though. A lot of ground outs too, though. I mean, it could. It depends how hard you're hitting it. 64th percentile hard hit rate for Paven Smith, too. I mean, you know, it's interesting because we talked about how um, how poor he was from what what was it June 29th that we had this the, the discussion, mm-hmm. and uh, like I was just kind of looking at the second half. There's something in that June 29th to the end of the first half that's really weighing it down because his second half was 275, 350, 401. Um, which mm-hmm. I think a little bit of power away from being what I think he can do. I, I would say more of like maybe a 420, 430 slug there, which would probably yield that upper teens, low 20s home run total if he gets 600 plate appearances. If he loses some of that time to lefties for Paven Smith, I hear you. Um, it could be more of like a 17, 18 homers. But if it's coming with a 275 plus batting average, and runs. I think it's one of those profiles that's overlooked because there's no sexy fantasy stat to it. Yeah, there's I no think that's fair. there's no 25 homer plus. There's no double digit steals. Um, the Which batting is average fine is fine if he wasn't at a risk of platoon. Like, if, but but if, I don't. I think that's an uh, I think that's an overstated risk. I think Peralta is the bigger risk. Okay, mm-hmm. because because Peralta is who he is. And I, I, and this is this is more projection of like how I'm reading the tea leaves versus how you are. So that's this is totally mm-hmm. up for debate. This is not me saying definitive, but I think that uh, because he's younger, uh, Pavin Smith is, and somebody that they're still trying to mold. That I would I would think they would give him a little bit more of an opportunity to try to work his way through the lefty issues, whereas somebody like David Peralta is who he is. I mean, what what's he going to do to turn around against lefties? I think he spiked one decent season. It was probably during the 30 homer season. Otherwise, he should be the platoon guy with Luplau for the most part, in my opinion. Yeah, Ross Resource has them both platooning at the moment. He, uh, oh, really? Who's yeah. the other Who's the other righty to go with him? Um, of course, I clicked off of it, but I can find it real quick. Uh, uh, Cooper Hummel. I do not know him. I don't either. He's a 27-year-old without any MLB service time. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look at it and I see, I, I think the 545 plate appearances for Smith it, with health is kind of an easy repeat with the potential for more if he can stabilize himself against lefties. And by stabilize, I think lefty-lefty, uh, you really only have to be kind of like high 600s, low 700s for the team not to want to. Yeah, the hard part is. Yeah. Like, there's just so many guys going around him. And these are all, 
like back end of the top 100 guys. Um, you know, he's going like 91st off the board right now mm-hmm. uh, in the outfield, but like going guys going behind him right now. Victor Robles, who's intriguing. Your, I mean, I, your I, boy, I would only want Dom him Smith. For- if I need the speed, yep, I'm, I'm still I'm still a Dom Smith guy. He'll get my boy time. Manny Margot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, the aforementioned Dylan Moore. I would take Pavin Smith over Dylan Moore uh, so often. My boy Jorge Mateo. Yeah. Uh, everybody else's boy because I keep being every time someone looks at my ranks, I keep going, "Where's going? Where's Cutter Joe?" Um, oh, he's coming up on this list. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> You, you gotta have a guy who plays full time for the Rockies on the list. <laughs> uh, our boy Willie Calhoun, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Taylor, like yeah. There's... So, so most of those guys had some speed component. So if you need the speed, sure. Mm-hmm. But and I love Willie Calhoun, but I take Payton Smith over him. Willie Calhoun's next eighty-five game major league season will be his first. Yeah, oh, man, that's fair. cannot stay healthy. I just, I mean, it's not that often you can get a fire hydrant on your team. I, I do love that he is a yeah. literal human fire hydrant. That is such a cool thing to see somebody. He even squirts water out of the front of his chest. It's crazy. You got to yeah, see it There's sometime. just too many. I mean, like I said, he'll be in my top 150, not going to be. I did not find those guys that intriguing. He did not sell me that much on, on those guys around him because they All those only, guys are more intriguing to me. They, only to Only with speed. Like that's it. So if you still need speed, there, sure. You know Sam Hilliard's right there too. And I, Dom I Smith's interest- not yeah. more interesting to you. Dom Smith, he's Your not boy? more interesting. I still love Dom Smith, but wow. you look at Smith, Calhoun, and uh, the the two Smiths and and Willie Calhoun. And first off, how are you really deciphering between the three? Like what 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 is what what is Dom Smith? Like he's got two partial seasons that were great. I loved nineteen and twenty, and I really thought he could build on it. But he couldn't have fallen on his face harder last year. So, like I said, I'm I'm still in at that price. I've got him right around. I've got him in Pavin Smith. Actually, 92, 93. I have Dom Smith one rank higher. So I'm right there. So I, this, I, this is not an anti-Dom take. You but I think Pavin Smith is right there is what I'm saying. You I just think Dom you're Smith. underrating this profile. By the way, yeah, I, got your boy Margot. I got your boy Margot quite a bit higher. So I won't debate you on that because I've already taken Margot yeah, yeah, by, the, Mar- by the time I, I, I get surprised. I, I think it's just raisedness. You know, yeah. The platoon risk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Margot should be higher than that. Again, the, the bulk of that group there was was stolen base. And that, if that's a specific need, I totally get taking them over Smith. He's not paving Smith. He's not going to run. He was one for one last year. His most attempts in a year was five in the minors. That's not part of his game. No problem. But when you look at Dom Smith, Pavin Smith, Willie Calhoun, I come out with Pavin at top there, even though I've been avid fans of the other two. I know I said I had Dom Smith one one point higher. I'm going to switch it to be intellectually consistent with what I just said and put him, nine, Pavin, 92, and Dom, 93. Since when so, are we going for intellectually consistent? I'm consistently going for that i, I do i do like to try, try to hold to that let's move on to the next guy because he's got uh not not the same profile but he also lacks that speed component late that may might have you leaning away from he's actually in this group of outfielders you were just talking about i thought you might name randall gritchuk among them because he goes uh, i didn't to... because i knew he was on the list I forgot okay that. okay connor yeah so we got gritchuk here too now again 
this the the thing I said last time about uh, uh, Payment Smith and where he ranked for the year, I thought might be enough to sway you because if that rather pedestrian season could be seventy eighth, that's why I think he. If, if I can sell you at all on Payment Smith growing, he should be in your top 100 because he already finished top 100. Grichuk is even more so. I, I'm sure you're looking at the 241, 281, 423 season and you're like, cool, um, 85 WRC plus. Sure, I hear you. But it was with 22 homers and 81 ribbies, mm-hmm. 59 runs as well. But the 22 and 81 is what drove him to the 59th outfielder rank. I was blown away when I saw that. I do not have him that high, make no mistake about it. But I do have him 84th. And I, I was surprised he didn't crack your top 100 just as a you know very consistent power source. Uh, the batting average tanked last year, and he still finished top 60. What, what say you of, of Randall Grichuk? Yeah, he is going to crack my uh my my outfield ranks my top 100 uh here probably over the weekend okay um i i I hadn't yet accounted for the fact that simeon is gone yeah and they have that extra spot to play with now he he, Uh, he, that could be a lot more and they you know they have on a deal and it kind of goes back to uh who else did we say about had a deal oh dozier mm -hmm. in fact it's a similar type deal where it's like it's not guaranteeing him playing time unchallenged Mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where Teams try to extract the most out of the contracts they have. They, they don't really um, subscribe to the sunk cost fallacy where you have to pay him anyway. So don't just play him just because you have him. They No, they try to play him to get that value. And, you know, in fairness to him, this was his worst season ever at 85 WRC+. Plus. Mm-hmm. His career before that um, generally ranges in the, in the 90 to 110 range, uh, leading to a 105 career WRC plus. So he's not much, much better, but 20, I guess 20 points is quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. I think you can get back to that level for grit Chuck. So, um, are you going to be kind of around where I'm at then? Like in, in the late eighties, uh, probably going to go into the nineties somewhere. Like right now I'm, I'm kind of just putting him at 98. Um, that may go up. I'm actually putting him with the Smiths, uh, myself. Yeah. And then at that pick, I kind of can I will kind of decide of like, do I want to try to go for Payment Smith's batting average, uh, Randall Grichuk's power, or try to middle it and get both, which is what Dom Smith can do. He's not guaranteed. We saw what happened this past year, mm-hmm. but I think he he could be Paven and Grichuk combined, in my opinion. Yeah, the question with Grichuk is, do we think that he has? the potential to get back to the 2019 version of himself. That, that is the big, that's the, um, that's the upside you're trying to buy. Yeah. Because with homers. I mean, what he did in 2021, which, you know, volume wise is fine and stuff. Um, it just, there's a lot of guys who can hit 240 with 20 home runs. Sure. Sure. Um, but then the tiebreaker becomes the 81 ribbies because mm-hmm. of the and, lineup he was in. And that yeah. lineup is still excellent. So I would still favor him over most of the similar guys that can do that because of he. And the beauty of it is that it's, it's not Toronto. so excellent, um, like top to bottom, where he's necessarily going to have to hit uh, last. last. Yeah. Uh, that being said, like the other concerning part is his second half. I mean, he completely fell apart in the second half. Oh, he did. Uh, six home runs, uh, two hundred eight batting average, and two hundred and two plate appearances. Oof. Um, and so, you know, I, 
The thing is, they don't have necessarily a ton of depth behind him. I do like Josh Palacios. Palacios? Is that how you say it? Palacios. I believe believe it's Josh Palacios, yeah. He's a guy I drafted uh, in my my super, super deep dynasty league when he was uh, was coming up. Uh, He's a guy who's got a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed, um, and, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a hit tool. And I think... Uh, could be like Chas McCormick ish, like okay. type of guy, like yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a sum of all his parts type of dude, as opposed Absolutely. to uh, any sort of carrying tool. Palacios uh, had a good half half season in 2019 mm-hmm. in the minors that that has some intrigue here. Yeah, has he been, he's been hurt a lot. It looks like based on these games played counts. Um, uh, maybe like he only played 16 games in AAA last year and 13 in the majors. Yeah, yeah, it must have. Must so it had been, been and then 82 games in 2019. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming some injuries have kind of stunted. And it looks Palacios like he's playing in either like Dominican ball or something like that. Oh, playing some winter ball. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Get some more reps. So, uh, he, I mean, he's an interesting guy. I mean, I think Grichik's contract obviously uh, gives him, uh, you know, a little bit of leeway considering he yeah. signed through uh, 2023, uh, but. Unless he plays like that second half again, I think then they will like because they're too good and like their windows too wide open for them to be able to like wait on him if he's going to play like that guy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at the month by month now, you can say it really started in June. He opened with two. Grichuk did with two months of over 800 OPS, 839 and 804. And then he didn't top 670 the rest of the way. Okay. And so it was four months yeah. of really rough work for Grichuk. So, you know, I'm still going to keep where I am. I, I moved him down a little bit there into the 90s because the, what he did, the, the, the 22-81, was 59th. And I definitely think he can repeat that. I, I got to have him in my top 100. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to come into the top 100 but be right at the bottom of it. So, like, right now okay. I've got him, Yeah, like I said, I think 98th. Uh, I don't know that he's going to move up much more than that. Okay. I think that's, I think that's fine. Um, all right. This next one, this one might be a little bit more exploratory for me. Um, in terms of like getting some info from you being that yeah, it's a fan. It's for your team. Actually, I don't know. Is he a free agent? No, I believe, I believe. He's, oh no, I see him. Yeah. I see him there on roster resource. Uh, it's Darren Ruff and Full disclosure, I don't even have him in my top 100. We're starting to get into some of the guys that are um, in my 100, 101 to like 120 range here. But I have him at 103, with, ready to move him up if, if I feel mm-hmm. like the playing time might be there. But they loved platooning. That was such a big thing for them last year. It worked so yeah. well. Um, he was excellent in his curated plate appearances. Darren Ruff put up a 271, 385, 519 line in 312 plate appearances with 16 homers. Even threw in two steals. Uh, you know, just a little, just a little chip in for fun there. Nothing that you're banking on or anything. But uh, the power was was what was awesome. Decimated lefties to the tune of a 1,007 OPS and nine homers, 824 and seven homers against righties though, showing hey. Maybe he doesn't have to be platooned or they protected him because it was only 172 mm-hmm. plate appearances. So he couldn't get overexposed and he had a 386 Babbitt. So where are we at with Darren Ruff? Um, what, what's his playing time carve out look like? Because 312 plate appearances was not a lot, but he made the most of it and he was still the 95th outfielder. 
Um, can they expand that role? He's going to be 35 next year, or do they like him just in this solid role that he was in? I think he will get expanded a little bit um, just because the DH is coming. Yes. We, if the DH comes. We yeah, I mean, DH obviously, hey, um, again, we we know it, it, we, were, we were pretty dead set on it last year and it didn't. This year is a different circumstance. We're not just running back mm-hmm. the same trope uh, with the CBA being negotiated. Obviously, if it isn't, we will adjust accordingly. But for now, I think we're both operating as as yeah. though the NLDH will be there for 2022. So if, if the DH comes, I think the DH will be kind of a rotating piece. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Tommy Listell will get days at DH. Brandon Bell will get days at DH. Uh, probably Longoria too will get days at DH, and I think Joey Bart will get a lot of days at DH when he's not catching, um, to keep try to keep his bat in the lineup. Exactly. Uh, but I think Darren Ruff will benefit from that and the inevitable Brandon Belt injury, um, because we know that is going to happen. Unfortunately. Uh, and that being said, like Darren Ruff, like actually held his own, um, against righties. That's like, what I'm saying. Like he, like he did well. He hit 262 against righties uh, in yeah. 172. It's a sky high Babbitt, but but I like the power was there too. Yeah. 201 ISO. Mm-hmm. I, I I can live with that from Darren Ruff. Um, can he can he get to like 450 plate appearances? I mean, I can see the path. The hard part is that's 139 more, by the way, or 138 more. They like but, having him on the being able to come off the bench, right? Like, can you blame him? No, like I can't. It, but it like, how much really are they nice. going to do that in you know in in the DH in the NL world? Like that, you know, it's so True. hard to tell. Like these teams that love to tinker, like the Giants, like you know, how much are they going to do that once there is a DH um, in the National League? Because like you know, don't get me wrong, like. They're the, what, the Rays West? Um, yeah. How many times are the Rays really bringing in pinch hitters? Exactly. Like, not a ton, right? When like, you don't have to, it's like, yeah. hey, you know, um, we, we, don't, we don't have to do that. Right? And, like, how much do they, you know, how much do these National League teams go, well, now that we have a DH, we don't need these huge expansive benches. We're going to have more bullpen pieces. Um so Yay, more pitching changes right exactly so uh he's he's just outside my top 100 i think you can make the argument that he belongs inside my top 100 i i don't think i'm quite there yet uh, i think that's fine like i said he is not in mine mm-hmm. this was more exploratory to kind of get some a read on where you're at with him uh i've got him 103 right now and, you know, I'm open to moving that up should the playing time kind of be crystallized and we and we get word that, OK, you know, Darren Ruff's going to be uh, playing this amount and, and batting here. Yes, it was a good season last year that actually got him into the top 195 plate appearances or and not, he was number 95 in 312 plate appearances. But that was a lot of punch packed in a small sample. And it's hard to bet on a small sample like that being that good again. So unless I get word of an expanded role, I think I got to kind of keep him in that uh, mm-hmm. in that 101 to 120 range for Darren Ruff. Yeah. All right. Now is the Connor Joe discussion. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, okay. So 
I, I, it's not any more crazy than – or not crazy, but just – it's just straightforward is what I said earlier. A full-time player for Colorado uh, who's also leading off has to be in your top 100. Yeah, that, he that, that's my be. pitch. That's my pitch. Um, uh, and it, you know, looks like a good batting average guy too. Um, makes good contact. Nineteen percent strikeout rate is fine. I can live with that. But that nine percent swinging strike rate says, hey, maybe we can get even lower with the uh, strikeout rate. Walked twelve percent, so has a very good idea of what's going on at the dish. Hit two eighty five in his two two hundred eleven plate appearances with eight homers, and leading off in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, this is uh, this is probably the guy I got the most like questions about when I dropped my top one hundred, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, he he should be in my top one hundred. Yay! Uh, so that I think that's a pretty easy fix. Um, you know, I I think there is some more power here. Um, yeah. You know, I don't I don't think it's like 25 plus, but I think probably, uh, probably low twenties. Yeah. If it's low twenties, batting with, average. Yeah. With a 280 plus average. Like this is a better version of Pavin Smith. Like, this, yeah. Well, with the, with the best part too. Yeah, exactly. To, to maximize um, it. And, and leading off and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a 12%, uh, walk rate, sub 20% strikeout rate. Uh, you know, leading off in the best park in baseball. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, he needs to be not just in my top 100, but uh, probably. He's, he's substantially, like, he's he's well-established in mind, Connor Joe is. Yeah, I'm thinking he's going to go up to 80. I like it. So if I can find him on my sheet, I may just need to add him. We will be only five spots apart. I'm 75th. Okay. So, Connor Joe, welcome. Keep an eye on him, folks. Again, you know, he, the, the setup is just is too nice. And he's on he's still on the right side of 30, so it's not like his total uh, random old dude. But he's been knocking around, journeyman type. Uh, might finally have found something here. And the the jokes write themselves with the, yes, with the Rockies, That's right? Because, of course, a, a 29-year-old, like, breaking out with them, like, so obvious. But yeah. it, it makes sense because it now gives them permission to continue to block their young talent exactly. with 29-year-olds. Yeah. So they, they love it. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're so giddy that like they're like, oh God, which outfielder are we gonna block with this? Mm-hmm. Oh, Zach Veen, you're gonna have to wait a couple extra years, buddy. Oh, mm-hmm. Benny Montgomery, don't even don't even look at the major league roster. You're not making it, Ryan Valady. Um, yeah, they, they can't wait. But hey, leading off Colorado, you gotta love it. Take an eye, take a look at Connor Joe. All right. Uh, this next one, very similar for me to, uh, I have him right near the Darren Ruff situation, but I think his playing time's a bit more concrete. I think Seth Brown, because um, they haven't even started tearing down yet. I think he's already guaranteed a, a, a strong side platoon, but once they start tearing down, I think it'll be, he might just play against everybody, even though he was dreadful against lefties in 26 plate appearances. They 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 tried to protect him from even batting against them, but he did still club 19 ho- or 20 homers, 19 of them against righties, with a 214, 274, 480. Um, you know, it's 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 a bland profile from what he did last year, but you can see the big power there, 
And I just I wonder if there's any improvement potential. Like I said, he's still out of my top 100. He had 214 for crying out loud. But mm. that was a 230 Babbitt. I think the power is pretty undisputed with Seth Brown. Uh, how do you feel about him? It's less about trying to get you to put him in your top 100 because I don't. So why would I try to tell you? But wh- where do you come out on him? And as somebody who could possibly get 500 plus plate appearances next year, do you think he could be, you know, a 30 plus homer guy and hit a capable 230 that doesn't uh, that doesn't obliterate your team? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know that I think he's a... Well, I'm going to backtrack even before I finish that sentence. Yeah, I do think he could hit 30 home runs. He Dude, him. he smacks the ball. Yeah, I was just I, I just kind of scrolled down to his StatCast uh, stuff on, on Fangraphs. Maddox exit velocity, uh, 113.7, uh, almost 21 degree launch angle, 20... or uh, Sorry, a 14% barrel rate. Seth uh, Brown out here crushing. Yeah. Um, yeah, strong sign platoon guy but mm-hmm. roster resource has him hitting fifth in this lineup right now that's what i'm saying and, and they haven't even moved either matt yet yeah um well and they don't have any righties on the bench exactly like, like he they don't even have, have someone to put to <laughs> i mean they'll probably figure they, it they'll out get something yeah yeah but because well, like, loriano will be back um, at oh, and then some Pinder point. could just be his obvious platoon. Yeah, so. and that's fine though. I'll take him as a strong side guy. He can still get Seth Brown can still get to mm-hmm. five hundred plate appearances with that. Even even you know four seventy five. Uh, I, I can I can live with. And they got Nick Allen. Or wait, no, Nick Allen's shortstop. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking at the minor leagues real quick. Yeah, there's really not anybody. Um, but yeah, short side platoon, or they can probably find somebody off the wire pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. Yeah, pick someone up, you know, that's cheap just to be a fill-in. But, yeah, I think um, yeah, if they if they were to move Matt Olson, he could probably slot up to that three spot and, yes, and he's be got... the three-hitter in the grossest lineup of all time. <laughs> True. It's not going to be good, especially if they trade Olson, of course. Um, he's got some pretty solid defense, too. Infield, out, or first base outfield. Um, you know, he's a corner-type guy. But, you know played some capable defense especially in the outfield that i think will will only help the playing time for seth brown so mm-hmm. you know I, I think there is some breakout here and he's so late because obviously the batting average was so gross which i totally get so you 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 take that discount but there could be a big a big boom here with uh 30 plus homers and if you know things kind of crack right he could even hit 250 at the high end that would be like the full scale breakout but i think he can get to the high 20s low 30s homers even still hitting 220, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. I'm talking uh, plenty of power here for Seth Brown. And that's why I got him right there with Darren Ruff. The market has him as the 124th outfielder. So he's kind of an afterthought. And I, I'm kind of pouncing on that uh, with one of my later picks. Yeah, yeah. I actually like this one a lot. Um, I think he could even find his way in my top 100, though. Hard to figure that out who would come out. Yeah, it's close for me. So, like yeah. I said, I had uh, I got Darren Ruff like and him, yeah, and uh, Seth Brown. Yeah, he's at one hundred two. Ruff's at one hundred three, and it it it's it's right there though. Like, if somebody says I will wait, and and I will eschew Randall Grichuk in favor of taking Seth Brown later, I'm fine with that. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're giving up the lineup, but that's what you're getting the pick equity for the lineup trade. 
but the power output could be damn near the same and if not a little bit higher for uh brown so yeah good cool i'm glad i got you in on him uh last guy here this one's definitely a little bit more of like a, a game. Let me see if it even qualifies. Did I, did I do it again? No, I didn't. Yes, Nick Gordon actually qualifies for the outfield. Um, <laughs> I will say, obviously, as we've done with the last few, he's not in my top 100. Mm-hmm. So this isn't this isn't a sell you on top 100. Yeah, it's you more... don't have to sell me on Nick Gordon because I, I I drafted him in my first full draft of the season. Okay. Um, well, I will I will tell you though. He's knocking on the door for me, like literally 101. Okay. Um, and I just think he can he can volume spike his way to to a double double season pretty easily. Is this because you're just projecting Byron Buxton to be hurt? Because well, the hard part is the path to playing time. Uh, well, I think because he can play infield outfield, I think he's like a super util. Yeah. Okay. And um, you know. He is lefty, so that doesn't help with like Kirloff and Larnack. He's not going to necessarily not platooning with them. So I understand uh, concerns there. You have to have some concern about Buxton, though, and even Kirloff returning from the wrist. <laughs> I like him a lot. I'm very yeah, big on Kirloff as well in in this league. But yeah, he's he's not. but he's not a he's not a lock. And uh, you know, there is the path of Sano just. Not doing, and he actually had had a good year last year. But we know how well, volatile Donaldson's injury history as well. So exactly, so that can move some things yeah. around. Where Sano can jump to third, Kirilov to first, Gordon's in. Uh, or if Sano has one of his down seasons, Kirilov plays more first. That's easy for Gordon. I just think Gordon can kind of play every day, or or not necessarily every day, close to every day, just bouncing around, giving guys days off. And then if there are injuries to some of their more standard guys who've gotten hurt regularly, Buxton, Donaldson, Sano, um, and Kirilov, sort of, then he can get a more expanded role. So I think he just kind of nickels and dimes his playing time. And that can be difficult in shallower leagues to take advantage mm-hmm. of because, like, when is he in the lineup? So this is – Nick Gordon is 1,000% a deep league play, and his price will tell you that. He's 552. But I like him for some potential double-double upside just based on on voluming his way there. Yeah, I, I think if he could find his way to 500 plate appearances – Mm-hmm. He could be like a thirteen thirteen guy. Yeah, um, that, that I would I would totally see something like that. I I said for my hot take on the uh, on the Twins one, uh, you know, to like really project the the upside. I was like he stumbles his way into six hundred plate appearances and and Jonathan VR's a mm-hmm. a big you know like twenty twenty type season. That that's the high high end of things working out. I agree with what you're saying, like a a thirteen thirteen in five hundred plate appearances, just bouncing around the field. Um, I think I'm going to do a this year's uh, Cedric Mullins article. Um, but instead yeah. of just yeah. naming the guy, I think it is because I don't think there is a guy. Yeah. I'm just going to throw out a bunch of options. No, I think that's the right and, thing to do. That's exactly uh, what I, I was. And I, I think even Vlad does a process of like three or four candidates and then the top guy. Mm-hmm. So you'll have your, your handful of candidates and then maybe one that you kind of put on a little bit of an extra pedestal. Yeah. Cause I think Nick Gordon's like, I mean, he, he doesn't have, he's not going to be a 30, 30 guy, but he's definitely a really interesting guy going super late. Like I said, I, I did put him on, uh, on my team in that DC that I just finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember what round it was, but, it was late. It's probably dirt late, yeah. Yeah, and the thing I love about him, you look at where he played this season, right? So he's got 
30, well, no, it's more, uh, 45 games in the outfield. 17 games at second, 14 games at short, two games at third base, which means that if he is up on opening day, which we kind of expect him to be up as kind of like a super utility guy, Mm-hmm. There's a chance by like midseason he's triple or quadruple eligible. Exactly. Um, which would be awesome. Uh, and those of you who play in Yahoo, uh, he's already triple eligible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, or if you if you play with you know a ten game, uh, or like hey, Tout Wars, he's gonna be uh, eligible at, at second. Oh like, yeah, this isn't it yeah. a fifteen game I think in Tout. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so those of you who play with le- lesser eligibility requirements, you already got multi-position eligibility. Uh, just another thing I'm kind of you know pushing this year once again is get those guys that are multi-eligible. Um, uh, they just make life so much easier. They can help Absolutely. in draft, which I think I think people almost overrate the in draft flexibility. I like the in season. In season, yeah, yes, absolutely. It's all about in season for me, especially if you're a deep league guy. If you're playing in these draft and holds. Um, it's really, really important to get guys who can cover just a ton of different positions for you because the injuries pile up, and when you can't make in-season pickups, man, it's huge to have these guys who can play multiple spots. Exactly. Totally, totally agree with that. So, yeah, Nick Gordon, someone to keep an eye out for, and he is going so late, so all the concerns that folks have about his playing time and you know he strikes out too much, I get it. That's mm-hmm. more than baked into his price. He is, he, you know, we say he's literally free. And what we mean by that is like a draft pick that even if it completely busts, mm-hmm. it does not hurt you. That's yeah. what we mean when we say free on this show, in case anybody has Absolutely. heard us say that and say, like, what do you mean he costs a draft pick? We mean that basically once you get, say, past pick like 300, the, the, the failure rate of those draft picks is much higher and it does not kill your season. You, mm-hmm. you, you move on from that. You say, if okay. If you were to boom. sign a deal in the KBO tomorrow, you'd be like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. it sucks, but you know, that was pick 472. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep an eye on Nick Gordon. And again, they have some health concerns that can really boost that playing time um, uh, if, if something bad happens. Hopefully not. But I do like Nick Gordon. 26 as well. So I do think he's up day one. All right, Justin, that's going to wrap outfield. I think we had a really good uh, set of debates here that got some movement from both of us. And like I said, I'm going to be on the uh, uh, on, on the hot seat here soon where you're going to be grilling me. And I'm actually very excited for that. So stay tuned for that. Hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.